Welcome to Envisioned Broadcasting. The station designed to encourage, equip, and empower you for growth and success presents When They Hear Us, an author's movement, a show that provides authors a platform to share their voice with the world. When They Hear Us, with Dr. Tracy Hines Lashley, begins now. Hello world, you are back to listening to When They Hear Us. I am your host, Dr. Tracy Hines Lashley, the CEO and founder of Bossed Up Lead Herds Incorporated, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So when I heard about this book that you are going to hear about today, I had to have these ladies on. This is a two-part series. You'll listen to the second part. So if you missed the first part, go back and listen to the podcast. And we are now on Pandora. Yes, I am excited about that. So the ladies we have here today, they are one of the authors of Asian Women Who Boss Up. Okay, so having a nonprofit (laughs) with the boss up in it, you know I had to have these ladies on here. And being Asian was a bonus. For one, you don't see this. I have never seen this. So when I was on Facebook and it popped up on my timeline, oh, yes, I had to talk to these ladies. And hearing the stories last session, I, I'm like, I know you are going to enjoy this session as well. So ladies, let's hear a little bit about who you are and what you do. We'll start with Denise. Hello, I am Denise Michelle. I'm in Los Angeles. Um, I'm actually a transformational life coach, RTT hypnotherapist and self-love expert. Um, and I serve healers, I call them spiritual warriors, healers, uh, spiritual entrepreneurs, and influencers, and I help them get to the next level so we can serve some really amazing things in the world. Amazing. And Claire? Hi. um, Thank you very much for having us on the show, Dr. Tracy. Um, My name is Claire Wimmer. I am Chinese-born, American-raised, and I currently live and work in Munich, Germany. I am a business coach, so I help small and medium-sized companies go abroad. I help individuals um, step into a more international career. Um, I do this because, well, I've lived in three continents. I speak three languages, Chinese, English, and German. And uh, yeah, and I love, really, truly, genuinely love working with people when they expand their businesses. And that's kind of what I do. Okay. And you guys, okay. The next person is going to speak. Her name is Margarita. Yes. So it's like the drink. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Margarita. And um, uh, my dad was born in China and came to the US by way of Taiwan. My mom is Irish and East, Eastern European. So that makes me multiracial and multicultural. I'm based here in what we call the DMV. That's DC, Maryland, and Virginia. So the part of Maryland that I live in is actually closer to the DC line than Baltimore. And what do I do? Well, I am a CFP pro. Don't want to use too many acronyms, so I'll explain what that is. That is a certified financial planner. So I work with individuals and families to help them gain clarity, confidence, and control over their financial lives. Nice to meet you. And we have Mary. 
Great to be here. So tickled to be here with all these beautiful women, my fellow authors. I'm pinching myself still uh, that we're all here and that we hit bestseller. My name is, again, Mary D, and I am a Thai American. So my mother is from Thailand. My father is a European blend uh, American. And uh, for work, I am a business consultant. So I do advisory board for a number of companies. Um, one of my favorites, I sit as the chair of, and that's the breasties.org. It's a, a charity out of New York that supports young women with breast and reproductive cancers to give them support, retreats, and education. Thanks for having me here today, Dr. Tracy. Thanks. Nice to meet you as well. Okay. So you guys, before we came on the air, we had a nice little discussion. Last week, I heard the saying of, I want it to be white because all I saw was white people on the screen, white people in the magazines, you know, so I thought that that is what I needed to be to make it. So what is your opinion on this? I, I'm happy to take this one first. I'll, I'll say this. I, I am, I'm half, I'm half Caucasian and half Thai. So for me, I feel like I got the best of both worlds, but I still definitely experienced uh, racism. Uh, I grew up mostly in Texas. And I can tell you that uh, at the time and at the location where we were, like the school I went to, for example, was all Caucasian kids. So to them, they weren't sure what I was. So through most of my life, because I'm uh, racially ambiguous, for the most part, sometimes people know, sometimes people guess. Uh, I think I get Hawaiian, I get Filipino, I will get exotic white girl. Uh, I've, I've probably had the gambit. I'll tell you guys, I was cast in a movie from a actual Hollywood casting director when I was uh, 20 years old because she thought that I totally looked like I could be a, a, a child of a, a, a half black and, and half Asian child. And that that was the exactly the person she was looking for for this role. She wanted a mixed race. And it was funny to me because I said it, the it is true that it's whatever a person beholds you as it's their perceptions. And so I think that's such a big piece of being able to look at things. And for me, I know that I am really coming into my own of really owning my Asian-ness. So when I say that, I mean that like, I'm really proud to say I'm an Asian American author. I'm an Asian American leader. I'm an Asian America American philanthropist. Like those are things that feel really good for me because I want people to know, like I want to own that. And I want to let people know that, that we're not all stuck in this minority myth where we're just quiet and we're behind the scenes. Like we are here and we're letting our voice be heard and we're opening up the doors to let our uh, other people see our culture and understand that there are different cultures even within the mix of, of whatever you identify with culturally from your Asian background. So I'm excited that we're sharing our voices and I'm excited about really, really owning um, my Asian-ness. I think I would like to also add to that a little bit about being Asian. I am 100% Asian. And um, I think being white to make it, I've heard that many, many times because um, my background is finance. I used to do investment banking and I did trading. That was my job. I worked on Wall Street. And um, I had a very, it was a very misogynistic, very male-oriented position in general, no matter where you go. 
And I think as an Asian woman, it's actually helped me. So if you look at, there's recently a big conversation about how women are paid. And what I am speaking of is being an Asian woman and not an Asian man. That is a very different topic. Being an Asian woman has the ability to push. We have the ability to push and we have the ability to make money just as well, as much as a white woman does. And um, there's all these research that does that we are considered as Asians, we're considered the model minority and we are considered the good minority. And this is something that I also grew up with really facing because I went to prep school near Baltimore. So, um, and there, there's a big black community and the Asian community. And I remember my guidance teacher who was black telling me, you are the model minority. I am not. And I distinctly remember this because I was like, okay, I am still considered not white and you are not white and we are friends, but you're telling me I'm different from you. And then she told me that I have to be conscious of how I talk and where I talk and what I do. And I think this, again, is because I'm an Asian woman and not an Asian man. I think being an Asian woman, especially in the States when I did work there, it was actually okay because people would always say, and this is very derogatory when I was working and thinking, I kill two birds with one stone. I am Asian and I am a woman. I did, the, I checked the diversity box and I checked the female box. And so because of it, whether or not I was good at my job or not, I was put on to a lot of things because, hey, guess what? Diversity is here with me. So I countered the make it, you can only make it with being white as in it's a little bit more different i it i think what it is is we're discounted i that's my personal opinion i feel like as an asian woman especially in the banking world that i lived in the consulting world i was lived in i am discounted because i am a woman first and then i am asian and in germany where i live right now <laughs> the sexism in europe where i feel it's a completely different story and I don't, I, I, it just, sometimes I don't know, I feel so much luckier to have worked and lived in America than I do in the rest of the world. Um, because I think being Asian women in America has actually been quite luxurious compared to the rest of the world. In Germany, the UK, all the places that I've worked in. That's my personal opinion. Um, do you have to be white to make it? I don't know. But I do know that um, at a certain point, it doesn't really matter if you're white, black, or Asian. It's the fact that you're not a man. And I think that is the big issue for me, as at least. That's my personal opinion on that one. Um, but yeah, okay. I'd actually love to chime in on this. Um, I can relate both to Mary and Claire. I'm, I, I didn't mention it before, but I'm half Filipino, half Italian. And uh, in the early 80s, when I was a, a little girl, um, we lived in a small town in Washington State, and it was extremely prejudiced. That was the first time that I had realized that I was, I was different. Um, I was told I was different, and my sister, we were treated differently. And um, I remember checking on the boxes that I was white because I wanted, I wanted the, what I thought was the opportunity. It wasn't until I was a teenager when my sister and I literally had a conversation. We're like, we're not white. We're, 
we're Amerasian. We're we're Eurasian, <laughs> you know. So we would we would start, you know, we're we're actually a minority here, and it it did help us later on in life when we were, you know, applying for scholarships and grants and things like that, going to school because we were the minority, um, and we were able, to, you know, we were given a hand up in a way in that way, but by no means was it easy because. Uh, we were different. And, you know, um, like Mary in one of, uh, I went to a lot of different schools. I moved, I moved a lot. So in my first high school, um, my sister and I were the only Asian kids there. Um, there was one, uh, there was one guy and his brother who were half black, half white, and we were like the ethnic kids. Um, so we really stood out. Um, so it, it's just been really kind of fascinating to see the evolution of how, you know, in parts of my life, I felt, I felt shame for being a mixed kid, um, where I, you know, didn't, didn't really embrace my Asian-ness, um, also because of what I saw in my mom who's, who, who is Filipino, you know, and the things that, that, you know, when she would have emotional outbursts and I was embarrassed by her or, you know, things were, things were going on in my family behind closed doors that I just didn't want to talk about. And I just felt really shameful in a lot of ways. Wow. It's, it's very interesting because I continue to hear that, you know, as black people, we're not alone out here feeling this way. <laughs> I'm like, man, I just, I just never thought that um, Asians were going through the same things or similar things than we went through because all you see are, you know, it's the success of Asians. Hmm. You know, they're they're very smart. They have, you know, great engineers and. You know, they have all these shops, these stores and things. It's like, they can't possibly be like us. Wow. And I'm so glad that I'm having this conversation with you. Yeah, we're definitely, definitely connected in so many ways, Dr. Tracy. You know, one of the other things that we haven't really brought up that I, I'll bring up because I think it, it, it to the topic is even within being Asian, sometimes there can also be biases and there can be racism. I very distinctly remember um, my sister was actually deeply scarred because my, uh, I have a sister who was actually full Thai and um, she was dating a Korean man. And so he was in the church and they were really compatible and really, you know, he wanted to marry her and his mother said, well, she's not Korean and I need you to marry a Korean. Like we want to keep, we want to keep, you know, we want to keep the family Korean. And, it was really offensive because for my sister, she's like, gosh, like I'm Asian, like at least there should like, if you're gonna, you know, have a, a rung of qualifications, you're telling me that just even my being Asian is not enough for you. Like I have to be a very specific type of Asian. And I just remember how like damaging that felt for her because it, it, it still brought about those feelings of you're not good enough. And I think that's really what it all boils down to, right? Whatever kind of racism we might experience or, uh, or sexism for that matter, it all just feels like, hey, you're not good enough. And that's really what that underlying message is. And so we're all trying to get out of that. How do I really know who I am? And how do I also see the genuineness and, the, and have compassion for other people to say, let's meet each other where we're at and not see some of these 
blinders that can go on when it comes to things like um, race and religion and uh, politics and those types of things. Dr. Tracy, I loved the question. I'll just weigh in here myself that, you know, you have to be white to make it. I think the first thing to decide is we need to define what we mean by make it. The other challenge that I think we have probably all experienced is Asians, Black, Caribbean American, African American. Um, we generally, yes, there are nuances and differences, but our cultures are more um, collectivist, but yet America is an individualist society. And so sometimes we are taught, you know, just put your head down and work, you know, don't draw a lot of attention to yourself. And then when we go out in the world, people are like, oh, we might get um, to cl what Clara was saying, um, overlooked for promotions because we didn't speak up enough. Um, so that stereotype type can work against us. So what's the solution? Just what we're doing right now, talking about it, because it's just like my dad said, just because you talk about something does not mean you're making the problem worse. And if you don't talk about it, it doesn't mean that it's going to disappear, but it starts with awareness. Wow, yes, that is a very strong statement. Everything starts with awareness. And what you ladies are doing right now, you're showing the world we are more than, you know, the hair stores. We're more than the finance people. We're more than, you know, standing behind our husbands. And even as black women, we have the same thing. It's, we, you know, we're always taught to be seen and not heard. Let the man speak. Let the man be in the front. And now having you ladies write this book, putting yourselves out front of everyone saying, hey, I'm Asian. I am here and you will hear me. I just got chills, you guys. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> well, we're breaking through a lot of those old norms, right? These old norms of like that our grandparents had deep seated yes. even DNA, right? Because it comes up in a lot of times in religion, it comes uh, around in um, societal uh, norms, it comes to play in like the older movies. Can you guys imagine like some of the things we see on TV today are so different? than what was even on TV 20 years ago. There are things that shows that would not fly today <laughs> that flew 20 years ago. But that just tells you like, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago that these were very much the norm. And even with um, divorce, and I'm not, um, I'm not uh, sensationalizing divorce by any means, but that was a very big shame factor, right? It was like, mm -hmm. no, just suffer through whatever you're going through because it's shameful to get a divorce. Whereas now you, you actually hear other, you know, modes of thought, which are, gosh, you know, like, no, you deserve respect and you deserve love and you deserve um, all the good things that you want. And so mutually you should be able to come to the table with that. And if you can't, then maybe there is an acceptable reason to be independent or to, uh, to not stay married or to uncouple and, and you even see people doing that in really healthy ways where they're still co-parenting really well or they're actually able to still leave as friends. And so you just have this dynamic of things that have changed in a really short amount of time. So I feel like we are re we really are blazing the trail on some of this because especially with the fact that we are so connected all by media, social media, and this worldwide web, we're not just a small community anymore. Uh, we're a community of the world. 
And so it's a big stage. And now all these things get to come to light and we get to have real conversations and let people know that they're not alone and that they can they can really step into the light and talk about these things that might have felt shameful or might have felt, un, you know, not good and things that might have been the old norm, but that there's a way that we can hit the reset button and create new patterns. And I think that's really what this next kind of chapter is about. It's about how do we all help create new patterns that are uplifting and feel good and really allow people who haven't been seen and heard to be seen and heard. Wow. Yes. Um, I would love, I, I, this brings me to tears actually, because Dr. Tracy, I, I just lost my mom to COVID and to uh her life was just suffering and it just it hurts my heart so much that here we are making way and she'll and i know i'm her legacy but i i i think about i mean mary's talking about divorce and you know people staying together because it was shameful to get divorced and that's what my parents did and i watched my mom suffer and i I never, I, I don't think she ever truly knew happiness. And it, this is, this is what we are here to change because this is so deeply rooted. This goes even beyond my mom. This goes into my grandparents and their parents. And, you know, in all of this stuff that, that it comes down to, it goes into mental illness, which is what I was born with. I was born with something called borderline personality disorder because all the anger, all the pain, all the resentment, all the stuff had when it doesn't get channeled out of your body, it continues to keep going in, in your DNA until somebody breaks the cycle. I chose to break that cycle and it and it wasn't easy. And you know, I I really look at this and this is a paradigm, right? This is we are making way for something that is Yes, it's new and improved, but we are doing a lot of healing by having this conversation. Wow, yes. I have, I'm sorry I had to get my composure back, you guys. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, first of all, I, I'm sorry about your mother. Um, but you know what? She is right here with you. She is smiling. She's with you. And when we talk about, you know, divorce being shame. You know, my husband was in the military. He actually retired after 20 years, but after about the 10 year mark, um, 10 years of our marriage, we ended up getting divorced. Well, I, I actually wrote in an anthology and, and stated that the military stole my husband because he was always deployed in things. It's like we, you know, just why stay in it anymore. So I, you know, I divorced him which was very, very hard. And especially for him because he's, his family stays together. They don't get divorced. Like, what do you mean get divorced? But six years later, we remarried. And, you know, people are like, are you crazy? No, because the military really separated us. And we found our way back. <laughs> so, and we're still married today. So it's just, you know, things, life can hit you, but you can't, Stay in a situation to where you're, you're dying. You're basically dying inside. And what's on the inside is going to show on the out. So, man, I, yeah, that that's, that's something. Wow. I just, mm. 
you know, I think that's why I love this book so much because this isn't just, you know, an average book of where we're talking about, yeah, this is how we reached success. We went through some failures. Like we're talking about it all. We're really real and we're really raw and we're not afraid to bring up taboo subjects that, you know, people really don't want to face. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about how it as a collective, we have to face all of these things in order to move forward. Welcome. Um, I love what Denise said about, Denise Michelle said about healing. I think that, you know, many people don't really understand, um, and that's okay. It starts with awareness, but they don't really understand um, even what happened to uh, the first Asians that came here. They weren't allowed to bring their wives and have their family. And that's very relevant. I understand that's history, but if we don't discuss this and and learn about it, um, we're not giving ourselves opportunity uh, for that healing. Wow, yes, that, that is so true. I'm sorry, you guys. You guys have me in tears on this one, too. You got, you know what? I'm going to have to talk to all of you after this. <laughs> the first part had me in tears. The second part, okay, you know what? This is not me. No. <laughs> we just had two more of the authors pop in. And do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Like, yes, tell hi. <laughs> I'm Lisa Milan, and I... Um, I, I'm the CEO and founder of Masterpiece, and thank you for having me here. You're welcome. Thanks for joining. Uh, hello, Dr. Tracy. Hi, everyone. I just saw the message in the group and said, oh, it was today. And then I saw <laughs> Lisa's message. Oh, then she said, I said, oh, I have to just pop, you know, just hop in. Yeah, it is okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Vibha Sharma. I'm a holistic, spiritual, conscious business and mindful leadership coach, and I'm CEO and founder of Cosmic Ways Holistic Life Coaching. So glad to be here with all of you ladies. Yes, thanks for joining. We were just discussing um, basically about one of the authors last week mentioned how she wanted to be white. And then we started talking about the mixed race. Um, so do you guys have any input on that? Have you ever had that feeling that you had to be white to make it? Or you have any challenges of mixed race? Fortunately, I never encountered anything like that. Wow. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have all kinds of clients, like, you know, Chinese, uh, black, white, all, all colors, <laughs> you know, and I love all of them. And same here. Um, actually, I am Filipino and part Spanish, and I never really had an issue with it because I always had put a stand whenever I, because I work corporate my whole life. And so, um, again, with there, it's like uh, most of the executives, most of the leaders are men. And so I always had to really like stand out out of everyone. Um, to make sure that I'm heard because I'm a woman. And not only that, um, you know, like I'm also a different race and like, you know, what it is of what they're expecting of. Um, but it didn't really bother me or anything. Wow. Okay. So you guys were fortunate. <laughs> I was telling them I have two nephews. Um, so they're Filipino and black. 
And one of them looks like Tiger Woods and he even plays golf. I was like, he's just such a cutie. Um, <laughs> so we are going to take a quick break and we come back. We are going to let the ladies tell us about their chapters. Be right back. Dr. Tracy Lashley is the voice of the oppressed and master of teaching the transformational steps from pain of trauma to the power of a survivor. Destined for the shape-shifting ability to step into thriving beyond trauma. She has survived welfare, single parenthood, divorce, military spouse life, being broke, living with bad credit, borderline homeless, not being able to feed her children, just simply struggling to survive for her and her children. If you can relate and wish Dr. Lashley to assist you, contact her today by sending an email to info at drtracielashley.com or by going to her website at drtracylashley.info. Dr. Lashley is an expert team culture strategist who educates leaders on techniques to harmonize family and work life while developing dynamic and productive teams. After being raised under privileged becoming a single mother of two, Dr. Lashley married an army soldier who deployed to Afghanistan, Iraq, and Korea 11 times during his 20 years of service. She was forced to raise three of five children essentially alone. As a working mother and college student for 10 years, she had to find a sense of balance while juggling her children's activities and not losing herself in the process. She now helps working mothers and women in leadership positions harmonize their life while creating dynamic and productive teams at home and work. Are you ready for Dr. Lashley to elevate your teams at work and home? If so, contact her today by sending an email to info at drtracielashley.com or by going to her website at drtracylashley.info. We are back. We are talking to some of the co-authors of Asian Women Who Boss Up. So ladies, I am excited to hear about your chapters. So who wants to start? I can start. I wrote about confidence, right? Confidence means different things to different people and people's perceptions of what it means to be confident is different as well. After all, we're all different. Um, I am in finance and believe it or not, um, you know, I actually, in some ways, this is a stereotype. I am good at math. I like numbers, but I am a horrible salesperson. And the reason why I'm a horrible salesperson is I didn't want to be perceived as that pushy person. So um, I was led to believe that being patient and empathetic and asking questions and listening were all signs of weakness. Um, in fact, my boss, he did set me aside and uh, when, I, when I tell this story, I actually get a little bit emotional. At that time, I had two children. I now have three. I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And he said to me, he's like, Rita, you may want to think this. You're, um, you're a lousy financial planner. You don't know how to sell. You spend too much time asking questions and listening. And I actually didn't cry or melt down. I, I am very... Um, emotionally ground. And I said, you know what? Um, he is right. I am lousy for the type of client experience he wants to deliver, the type of people he wants to serve. But for the type of work I want to do, changing the face of wealth and talking about wealth, intergenerational wealth, 
I need to be who I am. So I learned that we were actually both right. And I decided that I was just going to um, put my head down, work and hustle it out. And then when I felt comfortable and confident about talking about this, that's when I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's let's boss up. So in my mind, bossing up means having the courage to speak out, even if it's painful. I love that. I love that so much, Margarita. I, I think when I my chapter is actually around overcoming adversity, which I believe every author here has bits of that in their story. It's really about overcoming those adversities. Um, for me, it was also like a lot of reflection and looking back and saying I've had a really successful, you know, 20 plus year career. But then comes this time of my life where I not only lost a six figure business and an eight figure business, but I got diagnosed with breast cancer. So being able to go from that back into a life of victory and good health and holistic healing through that process. So that's really where my chapter goes and leads into your beautiful chapters as uh, women who are overcoming adversity in other ways. Mine just happened to be business and health. And you are a survivor and you are thriving. Touche. Wow. <laughs> so my chapter is uh, about uh, impart on importance of spending daily quiet time or meditation and also uh, about my journey uh, into becoming a holistic spiritual life coach. And now I'm also uh, coaching corporate clients and uh, teaching mindfulness and mindful leadership. And it's about uh, my story. And when I came to uh, US after marriage and uh, I had a lot of time and I was just uh, getting used to this way of life and I was missing my family. I started reading lots of books and I always loved reading spiritual books coming from a family where we were ex exposed to a spiritual side of life. So I was reading a lot of books on meditation and I started practicing meditation. I love it. I, I attended all the classes I could, you know, <laughs> I could enroll myself into all the meditation classes. And long story short, and I started teaching meditation to kids and to seniors and to uh, women. And then I decided to become a holistic spiritual life coach. And now I'm conscious business coach and I'm teaching mindfulness and meditation to corporate clients as well as other people, kids, women, and corporate clients. So that's about it. Well, I guess I'll go next. Um, so my, my chapter is really about um, authentic and self-healing, self-love. Um, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier about being born with borderline personality disorder and um, having a mental illness and really debilitating issues growing up, um, growing through my life, anything from suicidal depression, anxiety, PTSD, sexual abuse. I've, I've, it's almost like you name it, I've healed it. And um, I really had to want to survive. Um, and I talk about how yoga really was my gateway into doing what I'm doing because I found it when I was 20 years old and it, it actually helped ease my suffering. Um, it wasn't until I was 29 while I was actually in treatment um, 
outpatient treatment uh, that I, I had an idea that I, I wanted to become a yoga teacher, but I didn't think that anybody would want to learn from me because I was mentally ill. Um, but I, I did, I forged away and I, I became a yoga teacher. 10 months later, um, I, I, by accident, I opened a yoga studio um, that I owned for four and a half years. Um, and I talk about I talk about the path in in owning that yoga studio and that it wasn't your average studio. It was really a place to heal. This wasn't where people came in their cute little lemons. I mean, people were crying in my classes. Um, it was all about you know self expression and being authentic and facing your yourself and facing your demons and your shadows. Um, and I got really burnt out by that. And then I that's when I realize I was doing everything the wrong way in in a sense um, because I was still dealing with money blocks I was still dealing with being a solopreneur not letting people help me and I ended up closing my business because of that um, and it took another four years for me to do what I'm doing now in transformational work life coaching and uh, and self-love so it's been such such a crazy journey I guess but everything for me has been all about about healing and getting to the core of, of who I am and who other people are as well. Um, so I think I'm going to piggyback on that self-love um, idea. Mine was, um, my chapter was about being honest with yourself. Um, I am a very classic Chinese immigrant, second generation. My parents moved to the States from China when I was six and I was pushed in every possible direction you can think of. And I went to an Ivy League school, I came out, I went into banking and I did everything I was supposed to be doing. And then I hit a certain age, I was still single, I was working 60 hours a week, I was making wonderful amounts of money, but I wasn't happy. And I um, walked away from that to find love, moved to Germany where I don't speak German and I don't look German and um, kind of just, start my life all over again here and I have my own business and I'm not very spiritual or very I am a business person I am in consulting and banking and what I realized and what I do now is I help small companies small medium companies and I help individuals to express themselves and this specifically because I live in Germany means operating in English so that's one sector. And um, for us Americans, we take our ability to speak English for granted. And as, as Asians, a lot of our parents probably suffer from the accents and just having to deal with the fact that you don't speak English. And so a part of what I do is I help clients to really embrace that, what there are different levels of English and how they can succe succeed within their own comfort zone. Um, yeah, and my chapter is just being, is about be honest with yourself. Um, I work with a lot of individuals who are incredibly senior Then when it comes to presenting themselves, when it comes to talking about what they can accomplish, they kind of fall short. And um, that's sad, I think, especially for someone like me who loves to talk. It just, it's a skill. It's something that you can work on. And uh, that's what I want to do. And that's what I want to do people be honest with yourself figure out what you can do and then go from there um, this chapter for me also was very enlightening because as some ladies after you have kids 
I've had two kids. They're in school more or less. And now all of a sudden I have free time. What do I do with myself? And so it was also a really good timing for me because I met or I read the chapters of some of you ladies and it's been inspiring for me as well. So thank you all. And uh, yeah, that's my story. And this is Clara Wimmer, by the way, <laughs> for those that don't get to see us. You know, my um, my sister, she has three children, but two of them, you know, well, one, you know, took Ch um, Chinese and the other is currently taking Chinese. And whew, let me tell you, <laughs> that is one of the hardest languages. I'm like, how are y'all making it? <laughs> I was like, I, I just, I don't Chinese, I will be taking Chinese for the entirety of my entire life. And by the time I'm like 90 years, my mom will still be over my grave going, your Chinese is not that good. <laughs> and it was funny because I asked her, I said, what made you decide to take Chinese of all languages? Because, you know, you hear everybody want to take Spanish, you know, or French or Italian. And they just like, well, I just want to learn it. I was like, okay, wow. Yeah. It was funny. My oldest one, he just popped up. I had to run and open the door for him real quick. And he's going to get me for this. And I said, yeah, you know, I said, I'm interviewing some ladies. They wrote the book, um, Asian Women Boss Up. And he's like, mm, my kryptonite. I said, what? <laughs> oh, my oh goodness. So if he listens to this, he's going to get me. <laughs> oh, man. So what is a nut? Should what we sign it? the book? to him tracy oh man he would probably have a heart attack he's like oh man <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> that was the first time i ever heard of that i'm like okay i just learned something new thanks ladies <laughs> so what is a nugget that you would um provide from your chapter And can I just say two things about what you just said about your son saying that Asian women is kryptonite? I feel like of all the stereotypes, that is actually one of the main stereotypes being Asian growing up with all white people. And they're like, wow, you're beautiful. I'm like, really? And this, yes. of all the things being Asian, that was the one thing that I always question. And it's my beauty like wow. am i really beautiful or do these people who are white have no idea like that i think if you talk about identity that was something for me that was always like mm, is, this, is this what happened and like i grew up i went to a prep school and it was very very blonde and i always thought i was blonde and then i went to new york city for university and then i was like wait a minute there's people that look like me and then i finally understood what an idea of asian beauty is growing up in the state but that is a side topic. I'm just putting that out <laughs> because I just thought it was just one, my one new security was like, oh, okay. Yes, you guys are gorgeous. You know, and last week I was like, oh my goodness, you guys are beautiful. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, so I can see that. <laughs> so, did anyone want to share a nugget from their chapter? Sure. I'll, I'll pick a song. Chapter nuggets. Uh, I would say that from my chapter, really, it's the, the nugget is you can do it. You can come through the darkest of days. You can come through the biggest shame, the 
the biggest pain and you can come out of the other side of it if you want to, if you want to. And that's really it. It's keep going, keep going. There is a silver lining to every cloud. There is a light at the end of that tunnel. Uh, sometimes we just have to climb a few mountains to get there. Oh, she, her mic is on mute. Um, you're, you're muted. <laughs> I was talking for such a long time, and <laughs> I'm giving you nuggets. <laughs> yeah. So, nugget from my chapter is, and this is also my brand, and it's on uh, written on my website also. That change is an inside job. When you change from inside, everything changes for you from outside, and you can go through. You know all kinds of challenges working with uh, difficult co-workers difficult people difficult people in your personal life but you don't need to change anybody else all you need to do is change the perception or change yourself uh, from the inside so uh, and i focus more on i use meditation as a tool and when you meditate it changes you from inside so my nugget is change is an inside job. When you change from the inside, everything changes for, for the, from the outside for you. And then the nugget from my book, because, I, because my story is about rebuilding. And um, what I do talk about, and uh, my nugget would be that no matter what you go through, no matter what happens, is don't give up and always remember that you can do this. Don't let anyone stop you from what it is that you love to do. Awesome. Um, for me, the nugget is uh, my slogan for my business was what makes you stand out. And I think at the end of the day, you look at the mirror, you look at yourself, and you have to be honest with yourself and say, what may, what was it that made today good or bad? And what, makes me stand out from my peers, what makes my business on track and what makes me who I am. And I think for me, and this is something I generally believe in, and this is what I work on with my corporates and well, my exec, my boys, as I call them. And um, what makes you stand out? What makes you interesting? And um, how will that give you strength? And I think that's really important because it's a level of honesty that you have to have with yourself when you look in the mirror. And I would say um, nugget from my chapter would be go for your dreams. And, you know, regardless of I, I feel like I, I tap into a little bit of what everybody talks about. It's it's resilience, it's strength, it's courage, um, it's being brave. And, you know, when we have dreams, we oftentimes if if we have underlying issues going on we don't we don't necessarily know how to go after those dreams because the other voices are really really loud um so yeah so mine's all about keep going you know keep 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 walking your path because whatever you can dream you can have it you can do it Yes. Oh, these are some great nuggets. <laughs> One of my mentors like some, oh yeah, they're juicy nuggets. <laughs> you know, there's one other thing that I really want to know about and with the name change. <laughs> Why do you change your names? Because I've heard so many different stories on this. And how does it make you feel as far as, you know, still having your identity? This is a great question. So 
people often ask me, do I call you Mary or do I call you Mary D? Because they're not sure from a name perspective, like where that comes from. And actually, I was named after both of my grandmothers. So Mary is obviously my American grandmother. And Dee is actually my Thai grandmother. Her name was Jun Dee. And in Thai, Dee is the word for good. So I actually am carrying my, um, my, you know, my birth names. But I know that when I think about why my mother chose to give me my American name first, it's because for her, definitely being married to my father, it was a piece of freedom for her in a way where growing up as a poor farm girl, she could look and say, oh, I want more for my life. And for her at that time in her life, that representation for sure was the American culture. It was what was going on in the West. And so she wanted to embrace that. And so for me, I know that that's one of the reasons why she actually gave me my American name first and then my Thai name secondly. But I embrace them both. And a big piece of it, I think, is just knowing who you are and whatever makes you feel powerful in terms of how you show up. And sometimes that may be in making a name adjustment um, if it's hard to pronounce or a long name. But other times, uh, I think part of it is also when we are just coming up with our identities, right? Who our name are, I, I deal with the breast cancer community. I can tell you like when you lose your hair, that's such a huge piece of your identity and you wouldn't think about it. But if I asked everyone to go shave their heads today, I can tell you that you would definitely give yourself a double check and you'd be like, but my hair, like there's so much caught up. Like you, you know, there's, there's women who dream about having a bad hair day. These are all pieces of our identity. And I think we all go through our own identity crises, but also um, the beautiful, we can come full circle and find find our identities as well so that we can really uh, help our, our voice be heard as we start to identify and figure out like what our purpose is in the world and what do we want to be called? How do we want to be perceived? And I think that's a big piece of it. I think for the name thing, for me personally, it's something Mary C. Um, uh, touched on is I had a Chinese name when I moved to the States and then I picked Claire as my name and of my original name my Chinese name is Claire Yang my that was my last name before I got married and then when I got married it became Wimmer and so Yang is my dad's name Wimmer is my husband's name but Claire because I picked it I've always been Claire so like I never it's like it's, it's like the Madonna effect you know it's just Claire. And um, when anyone asks me who my who I am, I'm like, oh, I'm Claire. And then they were like, no, 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 but we need your last name. And then I was like, oh, right. And so like, it took me, it was, don't tell my husband this, it took me two and a half years before I started using Claire Wimmer because that was not my name. <laughs> and like, I was always Claire. And so even now, when I changed my name, I think the reason I like Claire so much is because I picked it. That was my choice. I was six when I picked it. My mom gave me a list of like Sarah, Amy, April, Claire. And I was like, oh, I like Claire. Let's just go with Claire. And so like, that's my name. And But the thing is, the irony of this is, as an Asian American, married to a super duper German man, living in Europe, where they call you by your family name, 
it's like almost like in China. In China, you always are presented with your family name. Everyone looks at me, and when they hear the last name Wimmer, they think traditional Bavarian German woman, and I walk up. And so I think what it is is like when I changed my name, I gained a new identity, which is I am my husband's wife. And I am not Asian. I am not anything. I am Florian's wife. And um, so, yeah, that its name is a it is a funny question to ask because, like I said, I'm Claire. And when I introduce myself, I always just say I'm Claire. And uh, I never use my last name. And uh, yeah, that's that. That's my two cents on the name situation. As for me, um, Lisa is my nickname. And I think as I was growing up, um, my family had always called me Lisa. My real legal name is actually pretty long. Um, I guess like with Filipinos, they like to use the mom's maiden name as well as um, you know my father's last name. So my real name, I guess in my birth certificate is Maria Elizabeth Destura Milan. And that's like super long. And so ever since, um, you know, I was little up to now. I always just tell everyone that my name is Lisa Milan or Lisa for short. And for me, unlike everyone else, uh, Vibha is my name. My parents gave named me Vibha, and Vibha means light. And uh, Sharma was our family name. And uh, interestingly, when I got married, my husband's last name was also Sharma. So I was Vibha Sharma all of my life. <laughs> Okay, you sure you're not related somewhere? <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> we are not brothers. Oh, He's not. Wow, that is such a unique name. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And there are a lot of Sharmas actually in India, a lot of Sharmas. But Vibha was my real name, and my parents named me at my birth, and I love my name. It means light. Wow. <laughs> Oh, thank you. You are a light. You are, you are a light. Oh, thank you so much, Mary. So nice. <laughs> yeah, and, and my name, um, I, I go by Denise Michelle, which is my first and middle name. Um, and I was actually named after my father. Um, he's Dennis Michael. And uh, so I'm kind of, I'm the junior. And I, I wasn't supposed to be a girl. <laughs> um, I, my parents didn't even have a girl's name picked out. Um, and so because my mom was married to an American Italian, it I, I don't think it really crossed her mind to um, to give me a Filipino name, you know, or to, to kind of em embrace that. Um, which I think that there's some aspects of that that, that kind of make me sad because I never learned the language um, oh. yeah. And that's really tough that, you know, people are like, why didn't you learn? And honestly, it was because my parents fought so much. I think that that became an issue that my, my dad didn't want us learning. Um, and so my mom decided to stop teaching us when I was about five years old. So, yeah, so there's a lot of, a lot of aspects to that, but yeah, now I go by Denise Michelle. Um, I embrace it. I, I changed my name for a short period of time <laughs> a few years ago um, <laughs> because I was, I was, I think, you know, just really working in my spirituality and like coming deeper into my own. And I was like, I don't know if Denise Michelle is my true spiritual name. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I ended up going back and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm embracing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own it. I'm owning Denise Michelle and that's, that's who I am now. 
Wow, that's great. <laughs> okay, so I do not want to end this without people knowing how to get in touch with you and how to purchase a book from you. So let's let them know who you are and how to get in touch with you. Yeah, people can reach out to me uh, via my uh, my website. is called www.cosmicways.com, C-O-S-M-I-C-W-A-Y-S. And also my another website is called vibhasharma.com. And uh, I have another book there. This is my second book. My first book is Turn Within, Reconnect with Your Inner Peace and Wellbeing. And uh, this, uh, this is my second book. And people can just reach out to me via my website and order from there. Awesome. If people want to reach out to me, they can go to www.maryd.com. That's my whole name spelled out, M-A-R-Y-D-E-E. And if anyone wants to connect with me over social, I make it really easy. All of my social media handles are at the Mary D. So type that in and I'm happy to connect with you. As far as the book goes, um, you all can actually order copies from us individually. So we've got, obviously, the digital copies are available on Amazon. But if you'll go to each of our separate sites, uh, you can, I think uh, everyone's running their kind of their own promotions and specials and freebies. So go on there and look at each of those and see what feels good for you. And uh, we'll send you a hard copy. And I believe uh, most of us are, are signing those before they go out uh, for, uh, for those that uh, would like a, a personally signed copy. And, uh, and yeah, that's how you get in touch and order the book. Hi, you can um, get a hold of me through my um, company website. It's masterpiecelm.com. That's M-A-S-T-E-R-P-I-E-C-E-L-M.com. And if you would like to get a hold of me through social um, and all my social media, it is I am Lisa Milan. So on Facebook, it's I am Lisa Milan and same thing with Instagram. And please order the book. Thank you. And uh, mine, Denise Michelle, um, you can go to my website at bridgethelove.com. Um, and if you want to find me on, on Instagram, it's Denise Michelle XOXO. Um, and under Facebook, it's a little different. It's Denise Michelle Love. And I have a very simple website, Claire, C-L-A-R-E, Wimmer, W-I-M-M-E-R.com. You can always reach out to me, even though I do live in Munich, Germany, which is far, far away. Have a good day, ladies. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining. And, you know, everyone, listen to me again next week. Same time, same place. See you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to When They Hear Us, where Dr. Tracy Hines Lashley and her guests provide stories and experiences. This is also a platform for authors to encourage, empower, and equip people around the world with their voice. To learn more about Dr. Lashley and her quest to share the voice of powerful writers, go to her website at drtracylashley.info. You may also contact her by sending an email to info at drtracylashley.com. Remember to always intentionally walk in your purpose and strive to elevate to significance.